I remember this one big customer calling my boss and saying, I want you to fire Alex. So we work with the licensees for the major studios, uh, what I mentioned before, like Marvel, DC, Warner Brothers. So I remember I was like working super crazy hours. And then my daughter came to me one day, she was three, and she goes, Daddy, uh, can I visit you at your place, at your home? Because she thought I was not living at home anymore. Oh my God. That was like, that crushed my heart. And I go, I think design elevates what your business is. Sometimes people, they need, they do need to make mistakes and then they will grow from there. You don't have to walk through every opportunity you have. You don't have to take all the opportunities because. This is the Sphere of Influence podcast with your host, Truly Moni. And joining me today is Alex. Alex, thank you so much um, for coming on board with me. I know last time we had a bit of a situation, uh, but I'm just happy that everything worked out on your end and everything is good. That's, that's all that matters at the end of the day. So um, if you don't mind, for people that don't know you, would you share a little about, uh, about you and your background? Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me. So I'm originally from Brazil. My name is Alex, Alex Costa. I'm originally from Brazil. I moved to America in 2004 to work in a graphic design company back in the day. So I worked for this company for about three, year, three years and they went out of business. So in 2008, mm-hmm. I started my own business. And the company I was working for, they used to do work with the studios, specifically Disney. Disney was the biggest customer. Mm-hmm. And then in 2008, there was like the crash of the economy and they went out of business. So then I decided to start my own thing in 2008. So since 2008, I have my own design business. It's two different businesses. So basically one is a design business, the other is a fine art business. One complement uh, the other because the fine arts, we do fine art reproductions. On the design business, we create um, whatever the customer wants us to create. So since 2008, so it's been 15 years, uh, in this field, designing. So super exciting. That's awesome. So you're from Brazil. Let's start there. Um, How was Mm -hmm. that transition for you uh, coming out there to over here? What year did you say you got here? 2004? 2004, yeah. Actually, it um, it was a super interesting story because my background is not design, actually. Oh. My degree in Brazil is civil engineering. So oh. I used to do graphic design on a side, yeah, to pay for college, to pay like different things. And then I worked in Brazil for a season as an engineer. And then economy in Brazil was really, you know, tough back then. And then uh, there was like some members of my family living in America. And they actually was the, were the ones like encouraged me to come because as there was this opportunity to work in graphic design because mm. I loved it, honestly. It was my passion since day one, being a, a designer. But then I ended up like uh, going to engineering. Anyways, moved to America. It was it was um, tricky in the beginning. I would say the first six mm-hmm. months, it's kind of like you're nobody, okay? You're moving to a country. Yeah. Nobody knows you. You know what I mean? You don't speak the language that well. I still don't speak the language that well. But um, I have my you Brazilian accent. You know? uh, but... <laughs> 
So yeah, moving here, I think the, the first six months were kind of tricky. But then after six months, I think just like, okay, now I know how this thing works. In Brazil, it's very different than America. Yeah. Everything is different. Like the way you were treated, the way economy is, the way you have access to different things. So moving to America, I think I'm I'm living the dream because I think the America is the land of, of opportunities. And I'm like um, an example. You can come like and you can build your reputation and build your you know experience in whatever field you're passionate about. And if you're good, if you put if, if you put on the work, willing to outwork everyone else, then you can achieve your goals. That's the beauty of coming to America for me. Yeah. I agree. Um, it's funny. We're actually neighbors. Um, actually from Ecuador. Um, I was oh, wow. born here. Yeah, I was born here, but um, I left when I was two years old and I came back when I was 13. Um, so same, you know, no, it, it's I, I could understand the struggle of coming to being raised somewhere else that just has a completely different dynamic of just like the system the people, the customs, they're very different, right? Um, I think yeah. in our countries, it's very much family oriented and it's just mm -hmm. very different. And education, it's a very big thing, you know, like without it, there's there, there's nothing there. There's yeah. no way you can make a living in, in, in other countries. Um, and coming here, you know, my mom, um, she didn't have much either, but, you know, it, I, I love what you said. This is the land of opportunity and those that really fight for it and look for the opportunities really are able to make something. And you are one of those people, right? Proof that it doesn't matter where you come from. If you put the hard work in, you're you're going to um, figure it out and get it done. You know, some people might have um, a lot of uh, excuses, I feel like. And it's funny, um, I was going back and forth with a uh, a gentleman on Instagram on somebody else's post uh, because they were saying that, you know, the generation nowadays are, um, feel very entitled. And this person was one of those people that has a lot of excuses, you know, and sometimes whatever the, whatever the situation is, we still have control over it. Yeah. If we're not happy uh, being an employee somewhere, then we need to create the opportunities to be somewhere else and be happy, right? Yes. Um, but sometimes for people, I feel it's easier to just make excuses um, mm -hmm. and to be content where they are. So I'm glad yeah. that you are one of those people that doesn't have that mindset. Um, and I feel very um, grateful and lucky to have you. Uh, joining me today. So I know that you said you started civil engineering yeah. and you really love graphic design. So how did you end up going to school for civil engineering and not why not graphic design to begin with? Well, it was a it's a long story, but basically like it was more like a family thing. You know, it was just like mm. everybody expected me to do engineering. So I, mm. I was like I went to college super young, super young, 16 to 17 wow. years old. And And it was just like, I should have like, um, you know, talked to everybody and say, hey, guys, now this is not what I want. I'm going to do what I want, you know. But the end of the day, I was not like, I was not um, on a correct mindset of like, okay, let's put the, you know, think about it, think through it. I was basically like, it was a family thing. That's why. 
but my passion was always like designing things. I was always super young age designing, drawing things. And I was like, I remember growing up, oh, I'm going to be an act, architect, not a civil engineer, you know. I'm gonna, I love to design things. I love to create things. But then I went to into this season of like, okay, I'm going to do something. Because like you said, in our culture in Brazil or South America, it's more like, oh, you like, okay, if you want to be successful, you have to be a lawyer, engineer. Like there's all these like um, labels that they expect you to follow. And Correct. I was one of them. You know, I believe, okay, I'm going to do this hard work. And I was, I was successful in that adventure. I graduated civil engineering, got my, you know, my job in a construction company and all these different things. But at the end of the day, that was not my passion. Hmm. Yeah. And I think also people don't understand that in the culture that we live in too, it's, it was so much more than, it's not that you didn't have your own personality, but your family had dictated a lot of our lives, right? So yeah. you couldn't just go against that. Now there's a lot more liberty to do that and have a different opinion. But I think before that was not, not the way that, families ran so yeah um yeah but that's amazing and then so you said you came here you started as an employee working for somebody else doing graphic yeah. design and how was that for you coming here and was that what was your well let's back up a little what was your first job when you got here from brazil you that was the first job i came oh. specifically to work in that company okay and because it was close friends almost family that they they own this company, so they gave me an opportunity. I came to work for them. Uh, it was a small company, but they had they had big contracts, big contract with the the licensees of the studios, you know. So it was it was interesting because I came and I remember like super fresh, like uh, I I knew some English but like very minimum. And I remember my former boss would put me to answer the phones. He would go answer the phone. I don't care. I want you to learn as fast as possible. So it was like that transition of like, okay, I need to, you know, think outside the box so I can communicate well and perform well. Because one, I was coming to work and in a company that it was a new company for me, a new new job for me. I've never done graphic design as like as, as my official job before. It was my first time being like an employee on that field. And also on top of that, like, these big customers, these big companies that they will deal with me. And I remember on the first six months working for them, I remember this one big customer calling my boss and saying, I want you to fire Alex. I don't like working with him. I cannot communicate with him. And I've done like a couple things like in communication that cause a couple problems. And I remember the owner of the company saying to my my boss, hey, I don't think it's going to work for what he's doing. I think uh, you should no. uh, let him go or d have him do something something else and then have someone do what he, he's doing. I remember that. So funny because that same person, when I opened my own business, she became my first customer. Because after wow. my boss called me and said, hey, Alex, you know, you're, you're missing the boat on this point. You're dropping the ball here, here, and here. So one of the customers are asking for uh, me to like, you know, they don't like working with you. So I decided on that moment, like, you know what, I'm going to go the extra mile 
you know, and I'm going to fix this thing. So I started really working hard on getting her, uh, the confidence back in me, uh, uh, not in me, but like in the work I was doing. So anyways, it was like, it was a funny story in the beginning because I almost like screwed it up in the beginning, but I later on, oh, and today she's my friend to this day. We talk and That's she's awesome. a personal friend to this day. That's amazing. Yeah. And so how was that transition for you um, from an employee to a business owner, right? I think for me, I could speak for myself, you know, that it's easier said than done. A lot of people are like, oh, well, I'll just open up my own business. And mm. it's just so much goes into building a business. Um, and you have to have so much more accountability for yourself because, there's, there's, I mean, there's goals, right? But you have to structure your day accordingly and make sure that you're being as productive as possible. And you can't just tunnel vision on something because now you're in charge of every single aspect of that business. So how yeah. was that for you? Yeah, it was a, it was another big transition. I started my own business because when uh, the company I was working for, when they went out of business, I remember taking a couple weeks vacation to just like, okay, what I'm going to do now? And then right. I remember receiving this call and then it was that person. I just told you that she was like, want me, my former boss to fire me. She called me and like, hey, Alex, <laughs> just want to let you know that if you ever start a business, I'll be your first customer. So anyways, wow. and then from there, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this thing. So I started from my delivering room of my home. I told my wife, we're going to start this thing together. We're going to work off of our living room and then we grow this and we get an office. But uh, about your point, it was a different mindset because when you work for someone else, you clock in, whatever, 9 a.m. and clock out 5 p.m. and you come next day and so forth, so forth and so on, right? But when you're a business owner, right. there's a lot of set of accountability things that you have to uh, be accountable for, especially with yourself with your business, with the customer. So there's a lot of things like supply chain. And, and now it's like, okay, I need to account for, I have to have accounting. I have to send invoices. I have to schedule meetings. I have to, all these different things. I was like, I was not really like, nobody's ever prepared a hundred percent, but right. I felt like, man, I'm like so overwhelmed in the beginning. But then I, I was little by little learning the little things, you know, okay, this is, how you do accounting. Oh, this is how you send invoices. And in the beginning, it was just me, right? So then we right. grew into a team. But in the beginning, like, you have to do everything. Like, I was like, you know, meetings and then doing the the, uh, the, the work and delivering the work and revisions and invoicing. And it, oh, it was everything under one umbrella, which is me, was me. But it was, right. uh, it was a learning process. I would say the first, like, couple months, it was really tough. But uh, I think little by little, I was like learning the how to uh, be a business owner, which is a it requires a totally new set of skills to be a business owner. But I'm I'm grateful because it makes you grow into a person that has these new skill sets, you know, and that you propel it to your next season of your life. And that that I'm grateful for that. I I wouldn't do anything different today. That's beautiful. And so, what was the hardest part? transitioning for you or starting the business like what was the hardest part i think the hardest part for me was like managing 
all the supply chain because of the, the kind of business I was starting. And then accounting. I think finances of the business, it was like, it was a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Finances and sending invoices and I would do a work and then I forget to I forgot to send the invoice for like a month. And I was like, oh my goodness, forgot to send that invoice. I'm gonna survive as a business if I don't send the invoices. So I would say the supply chain and finances were like the two hardest part for me as a mm-hmm. solopreneur, right? But then right. when we grew into a team, I think the hardest thing for me in the beginning was hiring people. How I hired so many people that I it was not the perfect fit for the business. So that hiring someone and firing someone, I think it was like, as a whole, it was like the biggest thing for me because um, I had to learn a whole new thing about how to hire people and because a business is about people. So anyways, that was like the two major things for me. Yeah, I know. Accounting is, uh, you have to have a heart for it. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I think most, I think most business would probably say somewhere along the lines, accounting is definitely the hardest thing. And what you pointed out as far as people joining you, um, I, you know, my, my business is very small, uh, but it is very difficult. Um, so how were you able to find those, the right like pieces to your team? Oh, oh my goodness. Did you see that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it was a, it was a piece of art that just fell. Sorry. So, oh, it's okay. um, so what was the question again? The, how was the, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, so how was it um, finding that, like, how did you go about finding the right people? Like, what what was the key for you to find that key team member, like the person yeah. that really fit into your team? You know, I'll say this. The reason I struggle so much hiring people, because I would, before I would go, like, hiring from my closest friends. You know, a friend will talk to me and go, hey, I need work. And then, okay, let's start, right. you know, getting you uh, set up and helping me. And then I did that for like a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, the hard thing about hiring f- close friends and family is that accountability is a, it's a hard thing, you know, because the close friends and family, they expect grace, a lot of grace. And then I think for right. me, the change of mindset of like, no, I need to prepare a proper, you know, expectations, requirements. Hey, to be hired, you need to have this skill set. These are the requirements for the job. And these are the expectations for the job. And I think everything changed when I finally got that set up. Like, okay, to be hired as a graphic designer, you need to have all these skill sets, all these set of skills. And then this is your job description. And I expect you to do this, this, and that. So I think when I finally put that in place, I was able to find the correct people. But before that, it was just more like, oh, I like you. I'm going to hire you. But then you don't have the skill set to perform. And then then it turns into, okay, my friend, I don't want to talk, have those hard conversations with my friend. So accountability is hard. Then you don't want to, you know, hurt their feelings and stuff like that. So it was like super tricky. My first five people of the team, mm-hmm. the first hires, I'm sorry. It was mm-hmm. always like that cycle of like, 
okay, I will hire you, and then things will turn so bad, and then, okay, I have to let you go now. And then oh, now no. I don't have the friendship anymore because the person now is like, oh, you know, Alex a jerk or you know what I mean? Like whatever. And then, and then I did that like a couple, more than a couple of times, I would say five times. And then finally setting those expectations, requirements and all these different things made me realize, man, it makes a difference. Why? Because one, if you hire the wrong person, it's bad. If you hire the right person to the wrong position, it's bad too. So right. I think it's just like I've learned in a hard way. Until I, I hire the first, I would say the first correct, uh, the first like, I did the correct um, uh, procedures to hire someone. So that first person that like we interviewed the right way, we checked the requirements, all the check boxes, he was like a dream because that person mm -hmm. like is with us to this day and he performs awesome. so well, you know. So I think it was, uh, man, what a hard lesson, you know, super hard lesson. Sometimes that's the way we have to learn them, though, you know, and yeah. they make us better people for it. So when you you mentioned you've fired a few people because of something that they did wrong, can you yeah. talk about what was it that was not done correctly? Yeah, I think one of the, the things that we do, because we work with uh, licensees, I would say 99% of our customers today, it, it's somewhat related to the movie industry. We don't. We work with the licensees of the big studios. For example, we work with the licensee for Marvel, the licensee for DC Comics, Warner Brothers, Universal, a bunch of these big guys. So what these guys, they, they have very high expectations Correct. of like, one, that you're going to deliver what you promised uh, on a day that you promised. So turnaround time is super important because if you don't deliver by that specific date, it can cause a lot of like a chain reaction of delays for them. So that's Correct. one of the big things. And quality of work too. So I think uh, the two main things is like, for example, I remember this one guy, he, great guy, super great guy. But the thing is like, he was always like not performing to um on a due dates right so that caused a lot of problem and then mm. also another thing too is like personality i think this one guy that i was i'm talking now he was like not the right he was always in a bad mood for example you mm. know and i think just like he creates a toxic environment so right. i think those two those three things are the major things for us like one toxic environment because it affects everybody two is like a being able to deliver the projects on time and three with quality because they expect top-notch quality you know if you know the funny thing is like i've been working with these guys for 15 years now if you do everything correct for 10 years okay and you are a superhero for them it's like oh my goodness i love uh alex and his team i love real color my company's called the name is real color so i love real color blah 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 but then the first mistake you make, then you're not a hero anymore because they turn into like being like, oh my goodness, this is awesome to like, man, everything is late now. What's going on? So there's always that pressure that we have to maintain this standard. And I think uh, these people that sometimes uh, it was my fault. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not in any shape or form. I'm saying, oh my goodness. That person is so such a bad employee. No, the end of the day is everything is my fault because I hire them. 
or I put them in the wrong position and I didn't set the expectations correctly. So how can I even talk to them and say, hey, you didn't perform well. And they're going to say, well, I, you didn't, I didn't say, know. you didn't <laughs> tell me, you didn't, you know, didn't, um, you didn't tell me that expectations. I didn't know I supposed to do this. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. So I think uh, on my part, I think all the failures is all, uh, they're all my fault because it was always like uh, not setting the expectations correctly or not uh, getting the right person doing the right, the, the getting the right person to the right place in a company. But yeah, those are the, the, the main things. I love that. I love how you touched on the accountability that we have as business owners to in, in every aspect of our company, right? If we're, if we're failing as a company, it's because our leader is either not doing what they're supposed to be doing um, or we don't have the right leader, right? And sometimes it's hard, I think, as a business owner to hold that hat. And I think one of the things I've learned this year is like, it's okay if you started with the vision of having a business, um, but if you're not the leader that should be guiding those people, it's okay. Just find the right person for that place and yeah. make sure, because that's ultimately, that's going to drive your company, right? And maybe yeah. you're you're holding it back and um, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow for some people, but the reality is if you want to see it thrive, then you need to have the right, just like you said, the right people in the right places. Um, and that will make your business a successful business. So, right. um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I know that you touched on very big companies that you work with. How has that been for you? That, that um, has to be, I don't know, in, maybe intimidating. Is it, has it been fun? Like how, how, what is that like for you? It's fun. It's a mix of fun and also pressure because, uh, well, we deal with a lot of like super tight deadlines. You know, that is normal. It's normal. It's the, the business we have, tight deadlines, is, it's the normal. You know, so we are, uh, but it's, it's a blessing at the same time. It's super fun. Uh, I love all the customers. I think uh, they also are under a lot of pressure. So that pressure is like, it's all over because there's such like, like I was saying, the, the chain reaction. When you deliver something late, they get so many delays as well. But it's fun. I love working with them. So we work with the licensees for the major studios. Uh, what I mentioned before, like Marvel, DC, Warner Brothers, the licensees. So it's fun because you get to meet all these people and, and you talk about fun projects and they ask us to develop things for them and create designing things and stuff like that. Super fun. It's a lot of fun. And I think one of the things that I love the most is connecting with people. I would say that's what I love the most. I love designing. Don't get me wrong. I love designing. I love graphic design. I love what we do as a profession. But I think uh, what I, this kind of business we have, I have the blessing of connecting with a lot of people. And I think that is super cool and is a plus because yeah. I got to know all these artists, these guys that are, it's so funny. This is like super cool. So I grew up in Brazil watching Bugs Bunny, right? Cartoon right. Bugs Bunny. So I moved to America and started working with graphic design and stuff like that. And my first customer is the daughter of the guy who created Bugs Bunny. So wow. 
Yeah, Ruth Clampett. Ruth Clampett is um she's my friend to this day. And it's so funny. It's so I'm sorry, so fun. And funny at the same time to remember watching those cartoons back in the day and now right. I was talking to the person that, you know, the family of the, you know, the daughter of the guy who created it. So I think right. it's fun in general. It's super fun. Everybody I work with, everybody that we talk to, uh, for the most part, they're such great people. They We collaborate a lot. I, I, I mean, I was talking about the pressure. I think every every business that has, has its pressure on different things. So if you're real estate or if you're content creator, or if you're whatever the business is, I think pressure is part of the game. We have, but for us, it's just like the tight deadlines is what sometimes creates the most like uh friction but i would say overall so fun to work with them so fun that's amazing that that that's really cool and so i don't actually think i know exactly i know that you do graphic design but can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly you do yeah so in our business we have two different two different things that we do very very distinct one we create things we design things Whatever the customer wants us to design, we design. For example, this one licensee of DC Comics, they contacted me saying, hey, we want to release a series of like um, images of like uh, superheroes and villains coming out of the shadows. And uh, I would like you guys to create something. So they commissioned us to create a series of portraits, like close-ups, of the superheroes and villains coming out of the shadows. So we the first ones are Batman and Joker. And then, so we create things, right? So we create whatever they ask us to create. But on, and then, for example, we also work with Ryan Pineda as like we do their visual branding, we create logos. We, we do that, that side of the business of creating things. Then we have a second side of the business, which is the fine art business. Uh, the studios, they have, let's say there's a movie coming out, like a Spider-Man movie. So there's all these things that the fans, they go watch the movie, but they want to buy things to collect. So we do production of fine art prints for okay. the licenses as well. So we create uh, we create pieces of art, collectibles, high-end, that are signed, number, limited edition, so you can wow. go and buy. For example, if you go to um, the Disney uh, Disneyland, the you know park. If you go yeah. to the store, you can buy these things that we uh, some of the items uh, of the fine art side that we produce. So we produce fine art, but we also have a side of creating things. Yeah, we don't create anything for the movies. Okay, uh, that is a whole new uh, is a totally separate thing that the studios that they have. What we do is like we work with the licensees, supporting the licensees so they can create uh, pieces that collectors can buy. You know, yeah. Wow. It's more like on a high end side, yeah, yeah. that we, we work with, yeah. So I'm guessing some of those um, items in the back of your, on your background are some of those pieces. Yeah, some of them, yeah. So if I turn the, is it okay to turn the camera? Yeah, of course. So yeah. if I turn the camera, so you're going to see that that piece right there. I don't know if you can see it. I can. Wow, this is beautiful. Yeah, that is one example. So uh, for the most part, we 
that is a like a super popular product because that guy it's an artist called Alex Ross called Alex Ross he's a super nice guy he's one of the most like uh famous and award-winning uh dc comics and marvel artists that we work very close together so yeah that is one of his images and in that case we just produced we didn't create anything on that piece we just produced as a fine art print so collectors can buy you know but sometimes they do ask us to create things on a fine art side and then we work with businesses like ryan we design things for Ryan and uh, Ryan Pineda uh, right. and a couple other companies that we were doing branding and design and visual branding. Yeah. That's awesome. And so now that we're talking, talking about Ryan, um, I've seen the work that you've done for him. It's very, very beautiful. Um, Thank you. And I know that branding is a big part of businesses. Um can you spend a little bit on why a brand is important for a business? Yeah, I think it's just like when you talk about brand, there's like different things that it's that um, that would say it's part of branding, right? Um, branding goes beyond your logo, but I think logo is part of your brand, but it goes beyond, right? Branding is there's it's such a big name, right? And I think. Uh, Visual branding is like, which is like everything that you see, that you can see it and realize and connect right away with that brand. For example, uh, if you see a Nike logo, you're going to recognize that logo everywhere, everywhere you go or Adidas or it doesn't have to be those big guys. If you see some small names that you see the logo and go, you recognize right away. And I think what we do, which is the visual branding it's important to create that message. I say that the visual branding design, it's the, it's the silent ambassador of your brand. It's the silent mm. ambassador because you see it and you recognize it. I mean, a lot of the small businesses, it's, I understand that it's really hard to even create like consistency. I think one of the, the big things of branding, especially the visual branding, is creating consistency across the board. You know, and I think those right. big names, you're never going to see like a Nike logo that is distorted, right? It's always like consistent. Right. And I think in branding, I think what the key things for me is keep it simple, keep it clean and be consistent. And you're going to have a successful visual branding, you know, because you, but again, if you don't have a, a brand that people can look and identify with, the logo doesn't matter if your product's not good, right? So right. if you have a good product, a good service, and people like what you do, then I think it's like it's worth to have a, a nice uh, visual branding. So it connects very well. But I think the first step, and I think most people when they start a business, the first thing that they want to spend a lot of time is like, oh, I need to create a logo and this and all these different elements before even starting the business, right? Right. Okay, that's cool. But what I've learned is that the most successful companies and business people, they think about that a little later because the most important thing is like the creating the message and, uh, you know, mastering the product, having the best product possible and then being uh, acquiring the skill sets that gonna, is going to uh, make your business like stand out in the market. And then you go, okay, now I can I can work in my other side of the branding, which is like the visual branding. 
Um, we, we, I love working with Ryan Pineda because I think it's just like when you talk about Ryan Pineda, everybody knows, okay, Ryan is like the real estate guy who does like dominates the social media, have these cool events. And then everybody knows who Ryan Pineda is. And now you see that he has like six or seven different businesses, all successful. And now he's like, okay, we need to bring consistency to, to the brand across the board visual branding and now right. we're working together and i think that's key i think it's just like people have it backwards sometimes okay. uh, even though i do graphic design don't get me wrong i think people they have a tendency of like thinking on i would say logo quote unquote first and i think just like a logo it's very important but i think it's secondary if you put into perspective like the quality of a product or the beauty of the beauty of your logo. I think you have to focus on the quality of a product because then you can have a beautiful logo that people will look at it and be like recognizing right where where they go, you know. Or right. they're gonna see a logo that is super cool, but they don't like the experience, and they go, "I don't like the experience. Who cares about that logo?" I think it's right. just like that fine line of right. people uh, understanding branding and visual branding. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what I do and visual branding. In my opinion. For certain businesses, very important. Like Ryan, for example. I don't know if you uh, you went to WealthCon. Did you go to WealthCon? Not this one that happened in Las Vegas. I went to the one in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. So when you, uh, this last WealthCon, we were talking and you go, we need to step up the game of like the visual branding, the graphics. So WealthCon Vegas, the last one, all these new elements that elevates the brand. I think that's the that's the beauty of visual branding and design. It elevates who you are. You know, Ryan, sometimes he says, like, the money elevates who you are. I think design elevates what your business is. You know, if your business is, like, uh, it elevates you. You know what I mean? I think, and, and I think uh, it's very important. Some people, they neglect, and some people, they do it, like, uh, they have the wrong priorities. Sometimes they right. think on design first, but some people don't. They don't think at all. Which I, I think is wrong as well. I think uh, there's a place for you to have a nice, clean design that people are proud to even put like a T-shirt. You know what I mean with that visual branding. I think it's very important. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think it's really hard, you know, as a business owner to figure out what the priorities are. And I think yeah. we, as people, we're we're very focused on how things are viewed, right? So I think that's yeah. why we tend to focus on, okay, we want a pretty logo, but you hit it right on the nail when you talked about, you have to make sure your business is providing value. It's up to par and then later focus on, on the visual of it. So yeah. th that's one of the most important things, but we don't, unless you come from a, a family that or you have relationships that have guided you through your journey in entrepreneurship I think it's hard to figure out what yeah. is the first thing you need to focus on and while on that topic what has been the worst piece of advice you've ever received as an entrepreneur you know what early on in the game uh, I remember talking to this one person this is the worst piece of advice I ever received so I have a daughter she's seven and I have a son, he's four. He was, I'm sorry, this advice was not early on. It was like, my daughter was three. It was more okay. like, you know, four years ago. And I remember 
right at the pandemic, 2020, I was like, the business was like, my business was like uh, really like uh, growing exponentially. So in 2020, my business went from uh, from one location to two locations. We have two physical locations today. You were growing. But you know, when you grow, it's super hard. So you have to make those right decisions so you don't, you don't actually end up like being bankrupt because the kind of business right. you have, there's a side of like a very heavy uh, investment, financially speaking. So I had to be have to be very careful. So I remember I was like working super crazy hours, and then my daughter came to me one day. She was three, and she goes, "Daddy, uh, can I visit you at your place, at your home?" Because she thought I was not living at home anymore. Oh my god! That was like. That crushed my heart. And I go, I, I, that day was like insane. And I remember talking to this person and I go, man, my daughter told me this. And he goes, oh man, come on. When she's like teenager, she's not, a, she's not a, gonna even going to remember that. Just like, don't, just like get out like, you have to be like strong minded and keep on plowing through. Your business is growing. You know what I mean? Wow. It's going to pay it off. She's going to be happy because you're going to be able to provide even better life for them. That was the worst advice ever because I think there's a way to have balance. You have, Correct. you know, your children, they're only going to be three, four, five, six, seven, one time in their lives. And they say yes. up to 10 years old is when you really connect with your kids and they, they want to be around you no matter what. And then after that, they go into the teenager, you know, season of their lives. They're going to have, they have their best friends and all these different things. And yeah. if you're not present when they're growing up, then their connection is not, there's no connection right there. So I think that was right. the worst piece of advice. And I'll say to everybody, uh, there's a way to build your business and bring balance to your life. Enjoy your family, enjoy your kids, because a hundred percent the person who does not, the person who neglects their children and the family building a business, they will regret a hundred percent. Because even though yeah. it was a season of my life, I regret it deeply today, you know, but I think that was the worst piece of advice ever, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's, it's one thing to not be able to, you know, there's some people that um, are not able to spend the time with their children because, you know, they, they don't have an option. They're a single parent, um, you know, but, uh, and even then, I mean, I think there's still an option, right? There's still, you still have to try to find the balance, but it's a little bit harder for, for those people that have like yeah. single parents and, you know, lower income. Um, but it is so important. Just like you said, they're very, children are very impressionable and, mm that connection that you have with them will build them into, you know, like if you think about your childhood and the things that shaped you, like how can anybody say that they don't, they don't shape you. They shape you every single aspect of your life. And I think, yeah, I believe it's nine or 10 years old. Yeah. Up until that age, you're learning, you're, you're expunged, you know, and you're learning yeah. how to, like the relationship that you have your with your parents are so important uh, because it'll teach you how to act and interact with other people, right? Yeah. So it is very important. So I'm glad that 
that you figured out that that wasn't the way to go. So what do you do now to find balance in your um, entrepreneur as an, as an entrepreneur? I'm sorry. I'm trying to, uh, I'm much more uh, before I was like in the office Monday to Friday from morning to like sometimes late at night. So that was my life. Okay. Like, Ooh. but now I have a much more flexible schedule. I work from home. Uh, I would say three or four days out of the week I'm working from home. Uh, I come to the office, uh, but I don't come to the office as, as much anymore. And uh, I think that is one thing. And also, uh, me and my wife, we chose to homeschool. So it's one layer that it's uh, it's something that you have to be willing to sacrifice some things in your career in order to have that extra time. So today I'm, I have a, I forced myself into a more flexible schedule, you know, and it only happens if you trust people that they're going to perform without you around. And also there's this, the, the flip side of the coin that we were talking earlier today. That is like sometimes people, they need, they do need to make mistakes and then they will grow from there. And I think one of the things that before early in the game in my business, I was so, I was around so much kind of like involved in everything that you people don't grow and I think now being more flexible with my schedule it's good for me it's good for my family and it's good for the businesses as a as a in general because people have that ability to like okay uh it's okay to uh fail and then learn from there and I think uh none of those uh, e uh examples I was giving you early today that people that we had to let go it was not because they made one mistake I think mistakes are part of life. And I think it's just like mistakes are very important for you to learn and grow. But that's how it is today, a little more flexible for my schedule. I think you're muted. I am muted. <laughs> Um, that is awesome. Is um, I was saying that you're able to find balance. Um, I think it's very important, you know, to be able to find that that balance between family and work. Um, and the key part to you being able to do that is just like you said, finding the right pieces yeah. for uh, of your team and putting the right people in the right places so that it runs smooth. So when you're not there they know what to do. I was just reading a book. Um, can't think of the name of the book, but it's all about operations, right? And mm -hmm. having um, operations and writing down the processes of the company, because once they're there, you're no longer going, like if whoever was taking over that, that, um, position right if everything that they do is in writing then god forbid anything happens to them then there's somebody that could take over that because there is an operations there's a manual of like how yeah. things are done um yeah. and then also that sets weight for expectations from employees as well so um the reason why you're able to balance and step away is because you have the right people in the right places. So, That's correct. Um, and I do see that I was saying also that we actually met through Ryan yeah. and uh, I wanted to talk to you about your social media strategy and mm. how was that for you? Um, can you tell me a little bit about social media? How, 
how did you feel about social media prior to um, going into the program? And um, what was your presence like before then? So before coming to uh, Wealthy Creator, we had, uh, you know, social media was about posting about the products, posting about the process, posting about what we're doing. I was never in front of the cameras, ever, ever. I was like, you know what? I don't want to talk in front of the cameras. I don't want to, you know, just want to let's show our work and then that would speak by itself. But then I came across Ryan and then, okay, and I go, okay, let's try this program. Back in the day was Content Empire. And then as the classes, as the coaching calls, I was taking the coaching calls and talking to people. I soon realized, man, I using the wrong strategy. Because I think one of the most powerful tools that we have today as business owners, entrepreneurs, or, you know, it's your our personal brand. I think it's just like my personal brand was like inexistent. Nobody knew who I was. I mean, the customers that we, the customers that we deal with all the time, they know me, they know me. We'll talk and all these different things. We're friends. But I think outside that little bubble, I didn't have any like zero, zero presence I was, I didn't know, I didn't want to expose myself for many reasons. One of them, like, because of my accent from Brazil, there's all these excuses, right? So then talking to Ryan and Justin and being part of the program, I go, you know what? It makes sense to uh, put myself out there and uh, talk about things and create and work on my personal brand. So today is still a lot of work to do. But I, I do have some, like, I'm posting on my personal uh, social media side, creating my personal brand. I do talk about the work we do at the office, of course, and the projects that we do. But I'm trying to go beyond a little bit of, like, only the, um, the brand for my business and talk about the, my personal brand. And I think today, this is my journey today. Like, even, like, talking to you today, I think it's just, like, putting myself out there. And letting people know who I am, what I do, what I believe in, and all these different things. And I today, that's my goal, is to create my personal brand. And I think it's one of the most powerful tools that we have today. Because from your personal brand, you can create all these other things that are much harder if you do it without having a personal brand. Yeah. And with that said, what have you seen any any wins or any gains from you actually being on social media? Um, What what has that been for you? So crazy because I started like posting, not very consistent, but like starting like posting in back in November, December. And it's been like six months, even though I don't have a huge following on my personal side, I do have so much meaningful connections that came from social media that is just insane. Uh, I think it's just like, just getting myself out there got me to the point of working with Ryan Pineda today, for example. You know, uh, we do most of his creative projects that we do today. It's fruit of like getting myself out there. And a couple other names that I cannot mention right now, but like, for example, uh, WealthCon Vegas. Uh, I, I was able to connect with a lot of people, some speakers as well. And they would go like, oh, I know who you who you are because of this. And then it was always back to the social media. And it's like, mm. I was introducing myself to this one person, one of the speakers. And they go, oh, I know who you are. And I go, wow, that's cool. 
And I think it's just like it's been super cool because I've been able to connect with uh, very nice people on a personal side and also on a professional side. I'll never imagine connecting with such a high caliber people outside of what I do today, you know, like with these, these big names that uh, it was just because of social media, you know. And uh, I think it's just like it just gives me the, the fuel to continue. It gives me like, oh, man, I see the fruits of such a small thing that I'm doing today. Imagine if I do it like the right, uh, if I do more, you know, right. the results are going to be even better, you know. So that's what I say, too, is like sometimes we go after the followings, like the numbers, like, oh, I have 100,000 followers, which is which I want to get there. OK, that's that's my goal is to grow my following, of course. But I think uh, for me today, it has been super cool to connect on a personal level, one-on-one, with like uh, such a uh, great people that I've been able to connect because of social media. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny um, that you mentioned that, you know, it's like, oh, you didn't want to get on social media because of your um, um, the way you speak, right? The accent. I think we're all very... Um, self-conscious of ourselves right we're so worried about um what people are going to think what people are going to say that we limit ourselves from putting our business out there and really the bottom line is you getting that exposure could help your business and um i remember a few months back being on a call with you um and you mentioned also that one of your biggest wins from social media was also getting like a really big contract. And yes. I, yeah, I don't know if I, you could speak on it, but I know that you mentioned there was like one of your biggest contracts came out yeah. of there. Right. And yeah. you don't have a big following you, you know, you're not posting every single day. Right. But you're present. You're somewhat present there. You're aiming towards that. And you were able to gain, gain one of the biggest contracts of yeah. your entire you know, company through social media. So 100%. it just speaks to the value of of the value that's on social media and that some businesses might be missing out on because yeah. we're afraid of what people are going to say or the way we talk. And I'm self-conscious about the way I talk because English is not my first language as well. And I have sometimes words just poof, go away. And yeah. it was funny, just on my last podcast, I was trying to say a word and it just wouldn't, like, it was in the, it was in my mind. And for some reason, I just couldn't get it out, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, for anybody, for all my business owners out there worried about what, you know, people are going to say about you, just mm -hmm. don't, don't just yeah. get out there and start promoting. Um, 100%. And you'll see that, that it is worth your time and worth the effort. So what, what are you currently doing for social media? Um, do you have a team? What does your social media strategy look like? So my, my strategy, uh, I don't have a team, okay? We're not, not a team that is dedicated to social media. What we do is like it's a team effort, you know, uh, that sometimes some, someone will help me with this. It's really hard to take someone in, in my team today and say, oh, we're going to do social media. So it's more like it's not... I don't have a dedicated team. But having said that, because of Ryan, working with Ryan, my next move is uh, using um, his service, like the Pineda Media. Right. Because my, my strategy now is I've been recording um, like a podcast style, but 
like more like sitting down with someone and talking. So that's a strategy. The strategy is uh, we created this area here in the office that's more like a living room, living room like uh, vibe. So we're gonna sit down. Initially, we're gonna talk internally with people within the team, talk to them and talk about different things, business and life. And so the strategy for me, it's uh, uh, like talking to someone in a living room, recording that video and having that on like a long format. And also out of that long format, creating the short uh, format and then posting through like uh, Instagram and Facebook and having the long format on YouTube. But it's, uh, I love what you do, the interview. Super cool because so many people need to hear all these different things. Uh, what uh, my strategy is more like having a conversation, like a kind of like a, when you sit down with your friend at your living right. room and having a cup of coffee. It's just yeah. it's still an interview, but I think it's just more uh, like a back and forth. Uh, that's a strategy. So very, very soon, you guys guys gonna see it uh, that we're gonna be posting. So, but that's a strategy. It's I can't wait like, to uh, see it. Yeah. And I think that's your strategy, right? You record a podcast yeah. and then... Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I started doing the short form. Uh, initially, I did sh- a lot of short form. And right now, yeah, I'm definitely focused on the longer form. And I think it's easier to manage, at least for me, yeah. um, to do the longer podcast uh, and then get get content and get short clips from the, the podcast. And we're also focusing on longer form so yeah so, do you mind if i ask you your strategy like uh, oh not strategy but you just told me your strategy the, sh- the long format but how does mm-hmm. it work for how does it look like for you your um your day-to-day social media so my day-to-day social media is usually just um answering well i need to share more of the personal side of it and that's I have a hard time with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a hard time with that. I, I am a little bit more personal um, and I do try to share, but I don't share as much as I, I guess I should. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just sharing information. For me, it's been sharing information, sharing a little bit of the um, what you do in a way where you're just capturing what you do and showing it to people. And then also like showing what other people are saying about you. Uh, and just recently now we're doing the longer form and we're going to be getting more, most of our shorts from there. And then also in addition, adding some um, like day-to-day stuff and um, you know, just the basics that we do around. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I wanted to end with a rapid round where I ask you um, five questions mm-hmm. and uh, you could just answer them for me. And mm-hmm. um, so the first one is, um, what is one thing you wish you knew when you started your journey? I wish I knew that the key to success is not knowing how to do it necessarily, but to connect with people that has done it before. I think I... I should, if I could go back, is just like the power of mentors. To have mentors mm-hmm. in your journey, it's a thing I wish I could go back. Yeah, it's funny. It's been the the topic of the month. I think I've I've every single podcast that I've had thus far has mentioned the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. mentors are so important. Um, for yeah. me, I think it just 
propels you, right, to do things faster. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have the tools, if you don't know, then when you get with a mentor that's doing whatever it is that you're seeking to gain from them, you're going to learn so much faster that if you pick up a book, if you, you know, you, you, you do it on your own because they have life experience that you're not going to learn unless you actually go through it. Right. So yeah. it's so much faster to get to a certain point if we get a mentor and in your life, who has been the mentor, like one of your mentors that you, this dearest to you? Well, I would say by far the biggest mentor I've, I've had so far in my entire life is Ryan Pineda. Uh, mm. He's uh, the one, the, the the big one for me. I had a couple yeah, of them uh, before Ryan, but like actually connecting on a personal level, I would say is Ryan. I think it's just like I was very blessed that coming from coming to the Wealthy Creator program and then connecting with him and then being able to talk to him in a ba- on a day-to-day basis, you know, I think it's just like I've learned so much. And I think Ryan, it is the biggest na- uh, mentor so far for me, 100%. Awesome. And um, what is the most challenging project you've worked on and what did you learn from it? Wow. Yeah, one of the, well, this is, I think is like the most challenging project I ever worked with. It's something that I should never had. I, 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 it's something that I've never had started. I should have, should have never started before that project. It was like I got involved into, I think one of the mistakes that business people do, sometimes they start a business and then they start another one and another one. And, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, you have three, four things going on and it just drains you, right? So I started right. one business that really drained me. It's in a, in a tech space. Uh, and... The biggest lesson is that it was super hard, okay? I underestimated the, the amount of work necessary, the amount of money necessary. And the biggest lesson is this for me. It's just like you don't have to walk through every opportunity you have. You don't have to take mm-hmm. all the opportunities because if you take all the good opportunities, it's going to kill you anyways. And then the second thing is uh, I learned the lesson that have to do some more due diligence before I start anything. Mm. Like I was yeah. so naive of like believing that, oh, this is going to be so easy. That person was talking to me. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, so easy. And, and then it was not easy. It was very hard. It was very time consuming and very like money drained. It drained like resources like crazy. So I learned that take the time, think through the opportunities because it can really be like a blessing can turn into a curse if you don't like take the time to plan. And I think it's just like, I've learned not to take all the opportunities. It come, it comes my way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. I think too, right? Like Mm -hmm. as a business owner, you're like, well, you think about the finance part of it, right? That's one. And then the challenge of, I could do it, you know, I could do it. I I could do it. And sometimes we take on so much, um, thinking that we're just, we're just going to do it. Um, And we really run ourselves to the ground. So that's correct. Um, that's a great lesson that you, you've learned. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you've received as an entrepreneur? The best piece of advice I will give an entrepreneur today? No, that, that you received as an entrepreneur. Oh, the best piece of advice. I mm-hmm. think it, co- it, goes, it goes on those lines that are the thing I regretted. I think the best piece of advice I have is like, don't try to do everything yourself. 
if you like on the flip side of like you don't have to take all the opportunities as an entrepreneur i think the best advice i got is like you don't have to know to you don't have to know everything you don't have to know how to do everything even in your business you have to know how to hire people and have people around you that knows how to do that thing better than you that's the best advice i received yeah that is so true i think i learned that one later in life for me i've always been um i a jack of all trades right so i just figure oh i could do it on my own and that is so true we we don't have to you're just making your life harder by doing that so um what is the most satisfying aspect of what you do i think it's just like the most satisfying satisfying thing is this people come to us with a vision and then we'll we'll say that we bring your vision to life. And it's so cool mm-hmm. to grab a, a vision from someone and turn into something. I think that is so cool that sometimes I talk to people on the phone and they go, oh, I have this vision to do this, this and that. And then getting all those pieces of the puzzle, going to the drawing board and going to the computer or whatever, creating that vision and bringing that vision to life and see people's reaction. Oh my goodness. I think that's the most satisfying is bringing vision to life in form of like a, a design yeah that sounds amazing that sounds so fulfilling to be quite honest just to be able to hit it out of the park you know and and whatever bring that that thought those thoughts that that person had to life what was yeah. one of the most most touching one um like touching experience that you've had with a customer when with that happening wow so I think uh, one of like, I don't know if uh, one of the most like touch moments I had in business, it was uh, back in 2011. So we was, uh, you know, still grinding and doing all these things. And I would say like, uh, I was sometimes sleeping in the office, right? So I think one of the most things like, it was very touchy for me was having a conversation with a customer and then... She's like, no, 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 we're not going to talk about work. We're going to talk about you, uh-huh. how you're doing. And I think, like, I know that I. it sounds crazy that I'm not going to say, oh, that the most fulfilling touch moment, it's like it was this project. But for me, thinking through it, it was like someone that was put the project aside and said, no, 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 we're not going to talk about business today. We're going to talk about you, how you yeah. doing. And and then I think it was like it speaks uh, volumes for me of that person that right. took the time to like understand what I was going through regardless of like, and it was a big project that we were working for her. And it right. was super, super cool. It was very, very, uh, uh, it touched me a lot in a personal, on a personal side. Yeah, no, I could understand that. Uh, it's like, we don't really expect that from customers, right? No. You, to, to be able to be, seen as a person and yeah. not just your company that's got to stop you on your tracks. So yeah. that's amazing. Um, and then my last question is if you had a message for new entrepreneurs, what would it be? Um, I really like to focus on this one because I know that there's a lot of people out there, you know, younger, older, um, on the fence about trying to start this journey and as an entrepreneur and letting go of the nine to five because they're not happy or whatever might be the case for them. Um, but for those new entrepreneurs, what would be 
that message for them? I would say this, um, whatever you have a passion for, to open, to start your own thing, being an entrepreneur, and, and I think it's just like, go. F- uh, the first thing I would say is this, find someone that has done it before, what do you, what, what you want to do? I think for me, if I could go back, that's what I would do today. I would say, I would look for someone, okay, I want to do this, X, whatever the X might be. I'm going to look for someone that has done it before. I'm going to try to learn as much as possible. I'm going to try to connect with that person somehow because nowadays you have so much like coaching programs and even though it's kind of sat, uh, people look at like, oh my goodness, another coach. Well, but you have to do like, the due diligence of like, look at their videos, try to learn about them. Okay, if you really like uh, connect with that person, he has done what you want to do, what you accomplished, what you want to accomplish. I would say connect to that person to somehow, to some degree and take the time to learn the skills. I think one of the things that is like we have the passion, let's say is, is graphic design, right? I'm going to give you my example. I love graphic design, but I'm not good at it. So I'm not, most likely I won't be successful, okay? I can connect to whoever, but if I'm not good, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm not going to be successful. I would say, look for someone that has done it before, develop your skills, whatever your skills might be, and go for it. I think don't, but don't feel, don't uh, fall into that trap of like going to a hundred thousands of different courses and, and it turns into years of learning and reading books and and then you talk to that person two years later, you're still watching videos, it's still like, have you done anything? No. I think it's just like have to have that balance. Learn a little, connect with someone that has done it before and start doing it and then develop your skill set as you go and then develop that skill set to the point that you're the best at it. And I think that's a, it's a killer formula because no one can compete with someone that knows how to do things and knows that learn from someone that has done it before and is willing to put the work to become the best out of it. And I think there's, it's a killer formula, you know, but I, I would say it's a balance. Don't wait too much. Don't go too soon have that balance of like do some research find a mentor connect with that mentor somehow learn the skills start applying the skills and learn from it and grow from there you know that's 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 how, what I would do today yeah no i love that um i love that especially the applying part you know i think it's so easy to pick up a book or to listen to a podcast or to listen to someone but the application of it. That's Mm -hmm. the hardest part, you know? So I've gotten into the habit of if I pick up a book and I'm reading it at the end of that book, I'm going to apply three principles Mm -hmm. from it, you know, because yeah, it, 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 it's no use of it. Me reading this book. If that's all I'm going to do with it, you know, it's like we read it to get knowledge, but then also it taught us something. So go apply it. Right. So Um, so there you go, guys. Um, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about what you do, where can they find you? Thank you for having me, first and foremost. And uh, it's been a journey oh. connecting and with me. And uh, thank you for your patience. It's awesome. Of course. 
I knew you from the well, uh, from the program that we uh, we've done together. But connecting with you today was very very special. Thank you. Uh, if Thank people you. wanted to connect, my Instagram handle is alexcosta.co, uh, and uh, I would love to connect with you. Anybody that wants to connect, uh, this is, has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, you're welcome. So there you go, guys. Um, ton of information in here to take. And I really hope the number one thing that I want you to get out of this today is to really, really apply, right? Like it's the last one I think is the most important one. Apply anything that you've learned today, whatever it was that you got, apply it to your life today so that you could have a better life, a better future. Um, and thank you so much again for joining us here at the Sphere of Influence podcast, where we dive into fascinating conversations with industry experts, successful entrepreneurs like Alex, and creative minds to give you insider tips and inspire you in your entrepreneur way. If you found this episode helpful, I would really appreciate it if you subscribe and share it with others. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you guys on the next one. Thank you.